Hey, Mindful Parents, it's Yulia with Mindful Education, and I am here today with Jeannie Colwyn of the Valley Breathwork Tribe, and I'm so excited to be talking to Jeannie about self-care and stepping outside your comfort zone. And this conversation, this idea came about because I found Jeannie on a meetups, in a meetups group, and uh, I was looking for uh, more self-care practices. If you remember a couple weeks ago, the the vlog that I had was titled My Guilty Pleasure Self-Care. And it was, it talked all about the importance of how it, um, parents need to invest time, money in themselves in order to take care of you so that you can bring your best energy to your family and help your kids and your family to co-regulate with you. Um, and it's such an important topic uh, that I wanted to continue to explore it more myself and bring you more uh, ideas and experiences when it comes to self-care. And Jeannie, when I found your class and, and once I experienced it, it was such a mind-blowing experience. It was such a transformative experience and I couldn't wait to, to invite you to have this conversation. So I'll give you a minute to, I'll give you some time to introduce yourself to, to let us know a little bit about your background. Um, and you can talk for as long as you want on that because <laughs> I want to hear how you came to this. And then we're going to talk about what is breath work? Um, what is sound healing, which are two components of the, the class that you merged? And uh, what's going on in our, in our bodies when this is happening? And how can this help parents, um, you know, really de-stress and step into their best energy um, and, and bring that to their family? So welcome. Hi, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited and grateful to be here. Um, yeah, so my journey, well, I have worked with many, many, many parents and children because I've been a teacher. So after 18 and a half years of teaching in public schools and high schools, I taught Spanish. Uh, so it's a language class. I this, just this summer transitioned out and I'm jumping into coaching and breath work full time. So I've been on a health journey myself. I have since it's been about 16 years now of my own like big health journey with chronic inflammation and chronic illness, stress, and a lot of chronic pain that has taken me, sort of forced me on this journey of self-care and self-love. And um, yeah, just started coaching and just love it. And actually, it's so interesting because when I started off with um, my coaching, I was really interested in food and inflammation. And, you know, food can be big inflammation for causes of inflammation in the body. And I still love that. I eat a super clean diet, but I've gotten really passionate about stress and how stress affects the body, how it affects the mind, the whole mind-body connection. And being a teacher specifically, our kids are so stressed out. Um, and I know that I'm an empath and I can feel it and I can see it and they tell me, you know. So being in the classroom and knowing that students are stressed with school activities and what school puts on the table and then also things at home that, I mean, sometimes they tell me a little bit of what's going on, but we only probably know like a fraction really of what's happening. So yeah, so right now I work primarily with individuals who are working with stress and not like managing it, but understanding the emotions in the body. Like you said, like it's an experience and not just 
talk about it, talk about it, like typical uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, but actually you can do breath work not to have to have a therapy session. I tell people, you didn't do a therapy for the week and you don't have to share it because a lot of people don't like to talk about some of these things, but yeah. yeah. And I've, I've tried lots of different things, you know, therapy and support groups and reading stuff and writing stuff. And um, so I, I felt like I, I, I knew what was out there and I had... Um, you know, a checklist of things that I can do. And some of that included, for example, running or going to the gym or swimming or spending time with friends that uplift you. You know, there's, there's lots of self-care practices um, that I, I had, but I got to say that the breath work, and I'll, I'll give you a chance to explain specifically what that is, um, because I went into it sort of like, oh, well, I'll give it a shot. Um, really not knowing what to expect. And I really had to step outside of my comfort zone. I'm a bit of an introvert. Me too, uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me to go, you know, like, first of all, okay, here's the meetup group and then do the thing and then, you know, take the steps, get it, you know, get dressed, get in the car, get there, be in a room full of strangers. Like it seemed overwhelming. Um, but the message that you included on the, in the, in the meetup group, it really spoke to me and you really addressed the hesitation that people might feel stepping outside of their comfort zone and, and trying something like this. So I would love for us to spend a couple minutes just talking about like what specifically is it mm -hmm. and what's some of the science behind it? Because some people might hear it and be like, okay, that's a little too spiritual and woo woo for me. Totally. But I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of science and, um, I want people to get a full context of what exactly is the process of breath work and what does it do, you know, for your body. Yeah. So can I talk about, I want to talk about the comfort zone really quick because yeah, this is huge for me and it's like even today on this podcast. So getting out of your comfort zone and this is my first podcast. So it's really exciting. And um, I actually had been kind of hesitant to do podcasts before because I've never done it. And so you were great. It's like, let's get this let's do it this weekend. And, and I realized like, Oh, this is a comfort zone thing. I've been resisting it. So the things that I talk about in my class too, I think are meaningful because I'm talking about myself and what I see and like my own journey too. I mean, starting a coaching business and teaching classes, starting a meetup group, being on Facebook lives, those are all things. I'm a huge introvert getting out of my comfort zone and not wanting to be seen. And am I good enough? All those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So I did this training over the summer for yoga, for teachers, for mindfulness, and they taught us about the comfort zone. And there's actually three stages. So in the comfort zone, if you stay there, there's like no growth. No growth happens in the comfort zone. You stay safe, your body thinks you're safe, your brain thinks you're safe, but no growth happens here. So like you said, getting to the class, I tell people is probably the hardest part, right? Like a lot of people pay ahead of time, but yeah, making the time and what are you going to wear and showing up and you're not supposed to eat a big meal before and getting that new studio, right? You've never been to. So that's huge to take the class. So if you don't get out of your comfort zone, there's no growth. So that's kind of interesting. And then the next phase is it's called the stretch zone. Mm. So it's really important to know that it's okay that you're a little bit uncomfortable, which you sounds like you were. It's okay to be scared. That's just the nervous system wanting to keep you safe. And what we do is we tend to be like, 
oh, I've heard this too. Oh, it's my intuition. I, I, I shouldn't go. Like, I'm, you know, what I mean? it's just an excuse, especially if you're kind of into the woo. Oh no, that's like, no, I, that's too. So that scary, like safe kind of stuff is good for you. That is like super safe to be in that next stage. But what happens is sometimes people go into the panic zone. So stretch zone is great. Growth happens. But what they taught us in the yoga training is that if you do something that's too crazy for you, like maybe you decided to teach like after one class or something, or you do something that's just like way too far, right? Like someone tells you to do a Facebook live and you've never done it before. Like maybe the first step would just to do some practice ones or something. So if you do something that's like way too crazy for you, whatever that is, that's in your panic zone. And they actually say the research shows that there's no growth in that zone either. Mm -hmm. So it's really healthy. It's really great to do things in your stretch zone. There's growth there. But isn't that interesting? That was so interesting to me. Like in your panic zone, things, whatever it is for you, that's too far out, growth doesn't happen there. So yeah. that's just really like, oh, that's uncomfortable. That's good. That's good. That's good. It's in your stretch zone. So yeah. So for breath work in terms of like what the science is. So this is what I love about breath work because you can make it woo and you can make it not spiritual. And so in my classes, I like the candles. I like the ambiance. I want the synergy and like the whole experience to be really like yummy and nurturing other teachers you know it's just kind of like come in sit down no one talks to each other and it's like a different feel but basically what we want to happen is we want our nervous system to relax and to calm down so the autonomic nervous system is comprised of your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system okay so your autonomic nervous system are the things that your body does without you thinking right thank goodness so we breathe all night even when we're asleep our heart beats if you're digesting you don't have to worry about it your cells are repairing and growing like all these things happen in your body automatically it's so great autonomic nervous system the only thing that we can control in the autonomic nervous system is our breathing mm -hmm. so we breathe automatically we actually obviously can control our breathing, right? Taking the deep breaths and stuff. So breath work I feel like is so amazing, but really I tell people too, because sometimes people have amazing experiences in my class and they tell other people and people come with these high expectations. Oh my gosh, I did a few privates recently, amazing results, but then they were referring people and they came and they were saying, oh, she said this and he said this, life-changing. and I. I'm so honored and you know, it's, it's so great. And I love those big, big moments and not everyone has them. And so, yeah, just, you know, just knowing that every experience is different and everyone, yeah, experiences looks different, but basically we just want to relax the body. We want to get the body out of the fight or flight, the sympathetic. So it's the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. So how you can do that is by controlling your breathing, slowing down the breathing. So when we like, intentionally slow down our breathing we stimulate the vagus nerve it's connected to like all these organs it's like a whole system right it's kind of like when you do something into the body it affects everything so if you're like oh i'm just breathing slower no you're like the whole system is affected right your heart rate your blood pressure all that stuff gets affected so that's why it's so great about breath work because you can make it woo and spiritual or you can tell someone hey you're gonna lay down on your back and you're gonna Science-wise, you're gonna just get your body out of fight or flight. We're gonna decrease the heart rate. We're stimulating the vagus nerve, which as a system gets you into the parasympathetic nervous system. So people who are not interested in, you know, like I said, spirituality and on all of this, it's just a science. So that's why meditation people love. 
Some people love yoga. You don't have to do anything that's spiritual or if that's too kind of outside of your realm. If you can go for a walk, that's going to bring your vagus, it's going to bring the vagus nerve, stimulate the vagus nerve, kind of get you out of the fight or flight. So that's why I say like whatever works for you. And I kind of tell people in the classes that it's okay if breath work isn't your thing, because I don't want people to have these high, high expectations. It's whatever your thing calms down your nervous system, whatever thing, right, gets you into this deep, relaxed state, that's your thing. I love that. And I love that you kind of prefaced it um, with, you know, not everyone's going to have the same experience. For example, I walked in with like zero expectations. Yeah. Um, and I did not expect to feel such a sense of relief afterward. And I'll be honest, uh, I got very emotional during the class, which is one of the, I want to call it maybe a side effect. Mm -hmm. um, and I want you to talk a little bit about the difference between the type of psychological work we could do on ourselves and the somatic work that this is, because it's, you get to step outside of the story that you're telling about your life. You don't have to analyze you know, stuff or understand it really. It's just allowing um, all the stuff that your body has recorded basically over time. I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, yeah. but um, Dr. Gabor Mate talks about this, um, that your body keeps score and that ev all of our experiences are stored in our bodies. And then you know, on, on top of that, we have the images and the stories um, associated with those experiences. So this is like tapping into something much deeper than our psychology. Um, so please talk a little bit about somatic work and how that's different. Sure. Yeah. So this was huge, huge, huge for me because I really, to be honest, didn't understand what it meant to feel your emotions or feel like feelings in your body. If someone said, how are you feeling? I'd be like tired or I'm, I don't know, I'm just whatever, fine. Or, and I think for me, especially because I had a lot of chronic pain, I didn't want to be grounded. I didn't want to be in my body. So I don't want to be in my body. I don't want to be grounded. I don't want to be connected to my body because it was producing a lot of pain and a lot of mystery pain. And a lot of those, like I was tested for a lot of, auto, um, autoimmune yeah sorry a lot of autoimmune it was like those mystery you know medical medium talks about the mystery illnesses and not knowing mm -hmm. what's happening so I really love talking about this as somatic work because I was one of those people who didn't get it and so I finally get it so I understand that other people I'm sure don't get it either so basically and again when I started working with my coach I didn't get it she was like where's the feeling in your body and I and it's so mind-blowing to be able to talk about it now and to relate and to tell people, you guys, I didn't get it. Like, I did not understand what she was talking to me about. And that's why it's a process, right? And it's, it's growth and it takes time. And I just want to encourage people, if you're like me, we're like, I don't get it. It's not, I can't do the work. It's just hopefully you're open to knowing that you can change that. So basically, when you have an emotion, you can feel it in your body. And that was really hard for me to understand. So if you're nervous, like let's say you're nervous to come to my breathwork class or you're going to do something in, out of your comfort zone, a lot of people feel the butterflies in their, in their belly or they have a racing heart. You're really happy. Your chest sometimes feels great or your endorphins are going, right? So those are experiences in your body, but they're also like messages too. 
So if you have chronic pain like I did, I kind of just stuffed it. There's a lot of emotions that come up with chronic pain. And what a lot of us do is we tend to just stuff down our feelings and push them down. And like um, what you were talking about, Gabor Mate, is that how you say his name? <laughs> yeah, so throughout our whole life, small trauma, big trauma, memories, all these emotions, unless you're feeling it to heal it, right, gets stored in our body. So even what we think, so some people recognize that they had real trauma, right? If you had like an event that was traumatic and many people unfortunately do, but we seem to underestimate these like, they call it like little trauma, like small traumas or lowercase t trauma that mm -hmm. when you were six is really traumatic, right? Like someone stole your lunch or something. And as an adult, you're thinking, well, that's silly. Like who cares? That was when I was six and we judge it, right? But when you're six and you're powerless and someone does something and you don't have any control, it gets, it's like debilitating. And so there's a lot of trauma that happens that we have dismissed, but like you said, like our body knows and our body stores those memories, all those moments and that, those feelings, right? Of like being powerless or, or having an un, un, unempowering thought. So yeah, we store all those emotions and all that pain. And so for me with all the chronic pain that I was having and I wasn't feeling my emotions, I wasn't connected. I was like in my head all the time, like living up here and not knowing anything. All these feelings are stuffed, stuffed, stuffed. And I use this in my class a lot. So you have to feel it to hear it. You have to feel it to heal it, right? Yeah. So what does that mean? Because no one teaches us how to feel a feeling. That's the problem. How do you feel a feeling, right? So it starts by feeling emotions as they occur moment to moment, right? So, and we will do anything, Yulia, like said in my class, we'll do like anything to escape an emotion, to numb an emotion. That's why we're addicted to our cell phones, to Netflix, to drinking to smoking, to overeating, to sex, to overworking. Like we'll do anything, we'll do anything um, mm -hmm. to like not feel a feeling. So we'll numb, we'll avoid, we'll say we're too busy, all these kind of things. So when you get and realize that you've numbed out, you've repressed, it's a lot of suppression and repression of feelings. And there's like so much research with like TMS right now too, and like the mind-body connection is that your body stores all of these feelings, these memories, these emotions in our body. So what we're doing with breath work, if you think about it, you're kind of like stuffing it, it kind of goes into your belly, like your belly is a second brain. And what we're doing is kind of think of it like acupuncture. We're kind of moving this stuck energy and releasing what no longer serves you. Mm -hmm. So with acupuncture, for example, you have like meridians and chi and you're moving like the energy of the body. So with breath work, just your breath, we're oxygenating the body big time because mm -hmm. we're breathing through our mouth. So to get back to the science a little bit, I didn't talk too much about like the science. What we're doing is you're bringing in a lot of oxygen because we're breathing through our mouth and then it changes the carbon dioxide ratio in the body. So alkaline in the body. And they say, you know, the research is like an alkaline body is a healthy body. We don't want an acidic body, right? That's why we eat well. We don't want stress, um, chemicals, all those things. So in an alkaline body, they say disease cannot be present, right? So it's changing the pH, it's literally changing the pH of our cells and, and of our body. Um, yeah, so realizing that these emotions are being released through breath work, and it's a collective experience too. It's interesting to see privates versus in a class. It's like you feed off the energy of the group. I can feel the energy. Like I'll just say things during the class, they don't kind of remember or it just comes to me because I kind of feel what, what the people need. But yes, it's like all these emotions and you don't even have to, the beautiful thing is you don't have to know what emotions they are, what trauma, it doesn't matter. We can just know that it's ready to be healed. What's coming up is ready to get healed. Then you don't have to 
analyze it. And I mean, before the class, we set an intention. Some people want clarity on something specific. First timers, yeah, I say, I just say, you know, just your first time, just be open. Your intention can just be to, you know, try this for the first time and, and release expectations. And then when you start doing it, you can actually like, okay, I want clarity on this problem that I'm having or this thing. So yeah, what you're doing too is you're slowing down your heart rate, your blood pressure. Your, what you're doing is this inner critic, this like the prefrontal cortex that keeps you safe, right? So it's like your heart and your mind are kind of like enemies, right? Your ego wants to keep you safe. And finally, during breath work, we can like shut off the inner critic and you can get back to your heart of what you actually want to do, right? Because you want to do that scary thing. It's in your stretch zone. We're nervous. We're afraid we're going to fail. And then the inner critic with breath work actually turns off because of all these other things, right? We can slow down the adrenaline. We can shut off the cortisol. The natural endorphins will kick in. You're going to produce oxytocin. So like all these chemicals that you can produce in your own body. You don't have to do a drug. You don't have to, you know, be on medicine. I've had people tell me that they feel like they're high after my class or they feel so good. It's because you're releasing your natural endorphins and the natural chemicals in your body. As part of your introduction where you said a lot of the stuff you said now, mm -hmm. which was great because not knowing what to expect, that made me feel really safe. Good. And I think also the fact that we were in a group is it added value to my experience because I know that, um, it, that it made me feel like I am part of a community, that I am not the only one that feels this way. There's nothing wrong with me, that we all shared this experience and we've shared this healing experience together now. And to, to be witnessed uh, in, in community doing something like this to me was very special. I'm getting goosebumps talking Aww. about it right now. Um, and one thing you said really stuck with me and I wrote it down immediately. And that is you cannot selectively mute your emotions. And that resonated with me because um, I, I do have an anxiety disorder, I have ADHD, and uh, that causes me to have really big emotions. And for me, when I'm excited about something and I'm energized and I'm happy, that's a big wave of, you know, endorphins and adrenaline and it, it's a rush and it feels good. But on the flip side, when I'm experiencing the opposite end of that and I feel down or low energy, I personally you know, got into the rut, into the habit of ignoring or avoiding those emotions. Mm -hmm. And what happened is, you know, it, it got to the point where the avoidance behaviors that I was practicing gave me a momentary relief. But it, what happened was because I wasn't actually feeling these feelings to heal them, they got stronger and stronger and stronger. And um, it, I didn't realize that I wasn't actually relieving them. Um, so by the time I got into this sort of self-care journey, uh, uh, you know, I felt overwhelmed, like overwhelmed. And my favorite, you know, way to medicate was my phone, <laughs> you know, uh, have something on. Yes. Right. Have something on in the background, um, you know, jump straight into work and work 18 hours a day, uh, then go straight to bed. And I wasn't giving myself the opportunity to feel my feelings. And when you said you cannot selectively 
mute your emotions, that hit me so hard. Um, and I said, wow, I have to make space to feel the entire range of the emotions and to be okay with them. Um, and so many times, uh, I'll just switch to parenting because you know our audience is one of parents. And um, one of the main lessons that I want parents to understand is that the entire range of your emotions is okay. And it's okay if your child is experiencing big emotions. And the best thing we can do for each other, especially for kids, is to allow those big emotions to unfold in a non-judgmental space, understanding that they are just the natural part of the spectrum of emotion. And to be able to feel uncomfortable, but know that you're okay. And to, to, like you said, to, to create that stretch zone around our emotions too, not just around new stuff that we're trying to do and to fully accept all of our emotions. Because when we try to mute the negative emotions, we're actually also muting that all the positive ones too. So I'd love for you to, to talk on that and if you have any tips for parents yeah. um, in terms of, you know, how they can help themselves and their kids maybe practice some of this stuff, even if they don't show up to a class, what's a principle that we can take away from this video and apply in practice in order to get some of these benefits? Yeah. So I remember, so it was actually Brene Brown who said like, you can't selectively numb your feelings. And I remember thinking, I didn't really get it, right? Because I remember I wasn't in tune with my emotions. It's so great how when you're in the space to receive and like you, that just shows growth, right? I didn't get it then because I wasn't in tune with my feelings. So Brene Brown, and she would explain is like, if you have your heart and you have, you know, the bricks around your heart and it's like in a gate and you can't access it, right? Then okay, yeah, maybe you're gonna not have the pain come in because your heart is so guarded, but also like the love and the joy can't come in either. So super huge. So yeah, so being a teacher and being in the classroom, I started, you know, asking my kids how they're feeling and I would, you know, kids don't wanna talk about it. So I would have them, okay, give me a five. How are we feeling today? Give me a one if you're not feeling that great today. But I think the biggest thing that I did in the classroom working with kids and certainly parents is, letting kids know and like as adults too it's okay not to be feeling good all the time like good vibes only that really bothers me because it's not good vibes only right and we think this um you know anger like anger super healthy super healthy and just like we just have to know how to it's not really manage anger but release it or express it or feel it in a healthy way but anger or sadness and pain those are not you know bad and joy I mean we think of course that's good but just like oh this is good and this is bad it's like the whole, like you said it's like the whole range of feelings so I think of a parent and for us as adults to know that it's normal and it's rich and juicy when you have yeah the whole range of emotions because once I've opened up my heart right to some of this pain and sorrow and stuff and me on my own personal journey I can receive more of the love and the joy from others so I'll start, you know, crying from gratitude and joy and love where before I probably was so, so guarded with that. So I think parents talking to their kids about just not like, how was your day, but how are you feeling and what happened today, but just really knowing that it's okay. And I tell the kids and they've never heard this before, like 
do you guys know it's okay that you're not happy all the time? We know this, right? And they kind of do, but they kind of don't. And I didn't, I didn't know. Like I was raised where it's like, you, you know, like crying is bad. That's another huge thing. Crying, it wasn't bad, but it was, and it's usually sometimes when other people are uncomfortable with emotions. Yeah, so when parents are uncomfortable with their child's emotion, they'll want to want, fix it. Yes, they want everything. No, 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 don't cry. Yeah. yeah. Or they're very uncomfortable with if things go wrong, we have to fix it because my child is in pain. And right. Right. And so that's interesting. So if there's people that, you know, like if let's say you go to them with a problem or you're really upset and they're maybe like they seem detached or kind of cold or they're not as empathic, it's probably a function that they're not comfortable with their own feelings and their own emotions. So the more, so for parents, I think doing this inner work first on themselves, if they're not comfortable is huge because it's when you're good with yourself and you have a full cup and you're understanding your emotions are going to be able to hold space more for children and, and your child. And, you know, we know some, I mean, I taught adolescents, but some people love to talk about their feelings and some students and kids don't at all. So the more present you are with yours and then you can notice, right? When we're stressed out, we don't even notice when someone else is in pain or suffering. So I think that's, huge when you understand you know your own emotions and when you like you said are able to fill your own cup then you will be able to help your kids with their emotions and get more comfortable uh, experiencing the range of their emotions um, I know especially as a girl growing up I was told a lot, like if I weren't smiling 24 seven, mm. the message I would get was, you know, why aren't you smiling? What's wrong? Oh, you're not happy. And um, so there's a lot of pressure on us to be happy. And uh, especially in America, you know, society is all about happiness and, and, and joy. Not, take a pill and you'll be happy with medication, right? Right. Um, so I think that's why I think this stuff is so, so, so important. and you know, as a teacher, you know, I just want to comment a little bit about school. Yeah. They don't teach this stuff. I know. And that angers me so much. Uh, talk about emotions. I'm angry that kids, um, you and I, you know, we didn't learn this stuff in school. And I was talking to you a little bit before we started recording about, you know, I learned something so transformational in your class. I learned that I can trust myself, that I had the tools that I needed in order to um, soothe myself and manage my life and my emotions in a way that I can trust that I'll be able to navigate anything that comes my way, especially if I am seeking help and seeking community and, um, uh, and stepping outside my comfort zone. That lesson to me is times 1000, mm. you know, more important than learning algebra or how to form a sentence properly. And not to say that the academic subjects aren't as important. Um, you know, I was in education for years and I, I love education. I'm a nerd. It's important. I need mm -hmm. to be able to communicate and speak. But it seems like this stuff is such a fundamental human uh, sort of knowledge that we need to learn about ourselves, about our bodies, about our minds, about, 
what are some of the tools we have so that we can function in the world? Um, so anyway, that, I guess that was a little rant about education. Well, I actually um, have some thoughts about that. But first, one of the things, too, I wanted to mention, too, is, is as kids, and I say this in my class, you know, with adults, is that traditionally, not always, but many times, men or in, in children and boys are told it's not good to cry, right? It's mm -hmm. not manly, it's not masculine. And so men and like little boys and then like men in my classes, when I do privates, it's a lot of emotions that come up because for years, all that stuff has been stifled. And, you know, especially if you're a man and you've um, been raised by a single mother or something. And so what we think about masculinity and, and so a lot of, and women too. I mean, like I said, like I crying, I felt like I couldn't like hold, that was like the huge thing for me is like holding space for myself, right? Like, oh, I can do this for myself. And after you take one breathwork class, you have all the tools, you can do this on your own too. So men are and, and boys, you know, a lot of women too, but like, don't cry. That's bad. That's maybe girly or something. But then women, a lot of times we're told like not to use our voice and to be seen and to be loud. And it's okay to be authentically you, right? Or like, not speak your truth, like play small women a lot of times, just not told this, but just society, right? Like don't cause problems. And so I, we do like this huge scream and I always try to encourage women, especially like get that scream out because we're not used to it. And so I told, I was in a class and my friend said, she was, I was talking to her, I said something like, um, you need to do the scream and if you think you don't need to do it, then you need it even more. And she said that was her because she's very, um, you know, sweet and compassionate and she's not super vocal and loud and stuff. So just wanted to touch on that too, because that's something as a parent, especially with boys and men and, and daughters too, like it's okay to cry. It's healthy. Even, you know, I see my friends and I've, I did a live once and I started to cry a little bit. And the first thing I said was, I'm sorry, I'm crying. And I was like, wait, 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 no, I'm not sorry. I'm crying. It's totally good to cry. And I caught myself. Right. And so it's like the more that you catch yourself and it's, when we're with women, when we're with our friends too, if we cry, we're, oh, I'm sorry, I'm crying, I'm sorry. So that's what I want to normalize and get that myth out. But I think the biggest, I mean, I don't know for other teachers, but why don't we talk about this? I would say the biggest reason, well, first of all, it's changing. We are starting to talk about it. I did this training this summer and there are passionate teachers out there like doing this and meditation's getting more normalized in school. So I think things are changing big time, but just recently, I agree. But I think the biggest reason why we're not talking about this is because teachers, men, women are not comfortable with their own feelings and emotions. And so they don't want to go into this scary realm that's out of their comfort zone. Because, I mean, I remember I'm not talking about this stuff too. And as soon as I became comfortable with myself and my emotions, I was doing it all the time, talking about it, meditating, let's talk about our feelings, I can hold space, where before I probably was like, I don't want to get sued if I say the thing that's not PC, someone's going to not agree with me or you know I'm not a therapist or yeah I just and then also we have such standards of what you have to cover and so then I'm covering things outside of what I'm supposed to cover academically um, but I think the biggest thing is that teachers are not many of us just individuals are not comfortable with our own emotions and so and really creating and knowing how to create a safe space with your students to, to talk about these things. So I just did this yoga training over the summer. I don't even know if I told you, and it's for yoga training. So I can teach yoga in the schools and meditation. And then it's also SEL certification, which means that we talk about feelings and emotions. And so it's happening. People are getting SEL certified and then we're certified to come in and do workshops and talk with the kids. So there is change happening. And 
that's how you learn, right? How to do these things. It's like you learn this tools and the, and the techniques to do these things little by little. So, but I agree. I mean, I didn't learn any of this. And when I first started teaching meditation in the schools, Yulia, like it was more of kind of a battle, right? So, and now I feel like meditation's a little bit more accepted. Like when I started doing it like seven years ago, uh, you know, I would get the principal's permission and, and took a little bit more buy-in with the kids. And I think now kids are, are more open to it. And actually it's really cool because I had an assistant principal call me and he said, oh, I heard you're doing breathing in your class. And one of the students wasn't happy with that. And they always have the option to go to another room where they can do something else. They're not forced. And I don't even call it meditation, it's just mindfulness. So that's mm -hmm. for secular. So I think it was really cool because he called, oh, I heard you doing breathing. and a student wasn't happy with that and I said oh well it's it's one of the um WASC accreditation like actually accreditations for the schools now want more mindfulness they want SEL which is social emotional learning so by me doing meditation yeah. in class it's actually what our school needs for accreditation and so that's to show you that like things are changing and once I said oh it's for WASC accreditation it's one of our standards that we need to address he was like oh okay right because breathing like what is she doing like woo woo what is she doing she's supposed to teach spanish she's teaching breathing and i'm like oh meditation which is one of the wasp sel you know requirements that we need to incorporate he was like oh okay that's fine <laughs> so i'm glad like, to hear that yeah i'm glad to hear it's being built into the curriculum so i'm hopeful about that and hopefully it'll kind of catch on and it won't be something that we consider like here's education and here's all this other stuff over here. I hope it merges. And I hope that it isn't just maybe an individual class you take, but what you're doing is you're folding it into the curriculum. Um, because something I know about when I'm coaching either students or parents is they're, they, we, before you learn something, you have to get into that zone. And learning can feel scary because many times we learn through making mistakes or we learn actually, when, we, when you're learning something new, you almost have to admit that that thing you either didn't know or that you knew something incorrectly and it was a misconception maybe. And so you have to be flexible enough to be able to change your mind. But if that feels so outside of your comfort zone, because in schools, the message is you have to get the right answer every single time or else. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's, it's becoming part of the curriculum. Um, because to me, there's a sequence of stuff that you need to do. Like first you need to feel uh, good and calm and then you can be open to learning and manage your emotions while you're learning and um, I want I want before we go to go back to the practical stuff a little bit sure. the experience in your class and because we talked about you know the science behind it. We talked about breathing and how that oxygenates your body and creates alkalinity throughout your body. Um, one of the components in your class that, again, I was totally not expecting was the music. Oh, yeah. And it, I mean, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? I did not expect this. So just the music, the stuff that you're telling us throughout the class was so inspirational. I was like, yes, this is great. Okay. And then after that, um, the sound bath. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how it connects. Yeah, well, so I'm a sound healer too, and that was going out of my stretch, well, sorry, going out of my comfort zone, going into the stretch zone because I've never, I've played for other people and like volunteered in other like group sound bath situations, but I've never like run it by myself. So that was, I knew there was like some resistance because I hadn't done it yet. So uh, yeah, so I did that. So the music I try to get, yeah, super inspirational songs and there's like a flow and like there's definitely a sequence. I'm coaching throughout the whole, the whole class. Um, kind of just the things I want to hear, what resonated with me, what I think other people kind of need. And at the end, so we don't always do a sound bath. It just depends what I have in terms of the space and the time and all that stuff. So that on that class, I wanted a, a self-care day and I wanted to incorporate that. So we had about, what was it, about 10 minutes or 12 minutes of sound healing and uh, so I have a gong and it's about 22 inches like this bronze from Tibet so it's like this special sacred instrument and the the gong helps clear the subconscious mind so after the meditation so you're actually this is kind of interesting and I didn't really know this like the active breath work you're actually with using your you're in your sympathetic nervous system so we're actively like pumping up the body and you're in this like breath work right it's actually work I mean it's harder than yeah. It's breathing, but it's just active. So we're in the sympathetic nervous system, which is healthy to be. And that's kind of like exercise, right? You exercise, it's work. And then after, so after this hard breath work, then you're in your parasympathetic where you're relaxed and we breathe through our nose. So when we're in this like lovely parasympathetic state, your body is able to relax. The, the sound healing and the instruments really just sort of fill you back up because you released a lot, energy and emotions. And so the sound healing, really fills you back up. So the gong, like I said, is a subconscious mind. The crystal bowls, there was seven, and each, they're huge, they're beautiful, they're quite heavy. The crystal bowls each correlate to a different chakra in the body, so seven. So the different bowls with the different chakras and the whole aligning and kind of rebalancing. So it really just kind of fills you up and it's quite beautiful. And they say, which I think is interesting, if you have like an overactive mind like I do, the brain, when it first hears all these sounds, and I had a couple different instruments too, the brain's like trying to process, like, what is that? What's that, right? And with sound healing, it can't, right? Because these beautiful, high, high frequency vibrations. So the brain, like, even if we don't think about it, it's like, what's that? What's, and then it doesn't know. And so it just stops. It's like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I can't figure it out. So, okay, fine. So it just relaxes, right? During the sound healing, kind of what they say. So you can just yeah. say, recharged and it's just like a lovely beautiful music and harmony and yeah it's quite lovely I like it too and actually it's great too um energetically for the person playing I when I first took my sound healing certification I thought oh this is going to be a lot of energy and I'm sensitive and actually it's quite therapeutic and um invigorating for the person playing so that's great to hear my experience was um First of all, I was surprised at how loud and piercing oh. the sound was, not in an uncomfortable way, but just because I had listened to different YouTube videos earlier. And I, I usually like it and during sessions too, we'll have different sounds in the background and I love the bowls. They just, there's something relaxing about them, but there was something completely different in terms of being in the same room with them and feeling the vibration through different parts of my body. Um, 
that part of the experience, again, totally unexpected. So I just felt like I was unwrapping little gifts <laughs> throughout the session and just experiencing new stuff. And you're right, you can't make sense of it. So you just kind of <laughs> surrender to it. Um, and I got to say, you told us at the end of this class, uh, don't make any important decisions. <laughs> don't call any ex-boyfriends. <laughs> Uh, because you're in this energy, in this state, in this relaxed, calm state, and you feel very clear, and uh, you feel very grounded, and you, I felt like, whoa, I could do anything right now. <laughs> I can write a book. Yeah. I, can, <laughs> I can run for hours. I can do this. I can call all these people and tell them what I really think. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was grateful for that advice because... Yeah. What I ended up doing, and I want to share this, because uh, I'm a person, my, it's very difficult to turn off my brain. There's always 5 million things to do, ideas, um, stressors, anxiety. It lives in my chest and in you know, different parts of my body. And I went about my day after your class, and I went grocery shopping, and I made myself like a nice brunch. Yeah. And I, I noticed that I was moving through the day more slowly. I was noticing all the details of my environment. I was noticing people and like their energy. And um, it was usually, I'm, I'm pretty good at making small talk at the register. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even, my brain was so clear that I was just staring at the person just thinking, oh my God, I want to tell this person everything I just experienced. <laughs> I wanted to shout it to the world and say like, oh, everybody needs to try this. I, I, I can't remember the last time I felt so at peace. And cooking, usually I'll have some music on or a video on just to keep my mind busy, but I didn't want any of that. I, I really wanted to feel present in my body and the food tasted better, you know, like my experience throughout the day. Um, and I had a really great night's sleep. Um, and I had to face a couple people that caused me stress that day, but I felt a little more removed from those immediate reactions that I would have with them. I could observe the emotions that they were making me feel and also not feel so, so much anxiety around them when normally their, the stress that they would cause would like just compound and build on top of the stress I was already feeling. I had so much more space um, and energy to, to, to sort of deal with that uh, in a way that I wasn't so reactive. And I immediately knew this is something that I'm going to be talking about as part of my work in mindfulness and coaching and executive function skills. Um, because it's such a wonderful foundation to have before you get into your cortex and, and start executing things and getting stuff done. It's such a good building block in, in the work that I'm doing. And I'm so, so grateful to that there are people like you out there with whom I can really resonate and feel really safe and comfortable to do something that's way outside my comfort zone. In fact, tonight there's another class and I can't wait to go. <laughs> so, thank you. so I'll give you the last couple words and then we'll wrap it up. Um, you know, any, any, is there a message, you know, especially to kids nowadays who 
are living in a world that's a lot different than the world you and I grew up in. You know, there, there's so much more stuff going on and there's such a bombardment from all areas. Um, and lots of the kids I work with, you know, they, they have some coping habits that may not be very healthy and don't actually provide stress relief. And parents are worried that, you know, kids are spending so much time on their phones and um, they're so overburdened. There's so much competition. There's so much negativity. Um, you know, kids are striking around the world for the climate crisis. They're, you know, I just feel like kids are living in a scarier world today. And that's why stuff like this is so much more critical and important. So, you know, what is your message to families? Yeah. Um, if you can come up with a message or, or any kind of, any last thoughts you want to share with our audience? Well, I think just hearing you talk about your experience after the class, it just comes back to presence, right? So it's like you were able to not get triggered by those people that you were interacting with because you just have more like presence. And when you can like understand your emotions and your triggers, it's not that like people aren't going to make you upset. It's just sort of like, oh, I'm just getting triggered or that's like about them. It has nothing to do about me. And that's, you're just aware and it's such a shift. Um, and like I said, I mean, I really didn't understand, you know, feel it to heal it. You have to feel your emotions, didn't understand any of that. So really it's like a, a little bit of a process, right? But change can happen. I think for parents, I've been in the classroom. So I think like for me too, with like the cell phones, for me personally, so in my classroom, I had no cell phone kind of policy, right? So with the meditation, you know, we started at like two minutes, three minutes, and we built up. And it's, I think even for students, for kids to understand what that means, that like, we even talk about it in my class, like if I go to the grocery store, I do sometimes it's like, oh, I'm in line, I'll just like, I'm in line at Vons or at Target. It's like, I can't just be like by my, like for two minutes, right? And so mm -hmm. it's constant and the work is in the being, right? It's like this shift, Yulia, from the doing, me too. It's like, go, go, go. Do. It's like the doing to the being, right? It's like the being and the work is in the rest. But the work is for us of like, how can I, the work is in the rest. So it's like, we know how to work, work, work. That's easy for us too, right? But it's like the being. And so seeing the shifts with my students when they were complaining about two, three minutes of meditation and then we're able to go up five, six, seven, and then they're telling me that they're showing their parents how to do it. I had students running breath, um, not breath work in school, um, meditation in other classrooms and they were having self-regulation with themselves where I'm getting like feedback where they're saying, I had a student, for example, donate blood since they had blood donations at my school and she couldn't donate it because her heart rate was too high. And she really wanted to donate. She's like, wait, 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 I can do this. And she just did some meditation for like a minute and a half and she got her blood, her, sorry, her heart rate down so she could donate blood. So she came into my class and she was like, you know, telling Miss Colin, oh my gosh, I donated blood, but it, you, you know, like you helped me with the, so just to see like, I'm getting excited because she's excited. And so instead of just taking that, I had her share with the entire class in, in her words, oh my goodness, She's telling the story. It took 10 minutes to tell this like 30 second story. But I mean, they, they see it. They pick it up. They're asking me to meditate before a test. I had a student telling me he meditated before his driving test. So you know how they say that students, individuals, they pick up what on you say, but they really mm -hmm. pick up on what you do, right? So parents, 
meditating with your child, showing them like the, the being, maybe not being as rushed themselves, more presence for themselves. So whatever it is, right? If it's breath work, great. I mean, I teach meditation and yoga too. If it's yoga and meditation, if it's going for a walk, if it's just presence, your child will pick up on that, right? What you're doing, not just what you're saying. If you say, okay, you tell your kid to meditate every night, but you're not doing it, right? I mean, the kids saw me, like I was meditating with them. People came into the room, I kind of looked sometimes, but I really tried to stay present and they didn't, you know, disrupt me. Right? So they see what you're doing mm-hmm. and they start telling you, I meditated before my driving test. I did this and they use it and they get excited and they, they like to tell you. So yeah, us being present and that's how we can help our, our students and our, our kids, like us being present, not being reactive, not being triggered, teaching them that it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to feel sad, whatever they're feeling. Yeah, I think it's huge. And just like holding space, right? Like a, we, we tend to want to fix things, a lot of us. Like, oh, this is, especially for our kids, right? Like, oh, this is the problem. I'm going to fix it, right? But sometimes just holding space and like listening. So just listening to our kids, mm-hmm. not trying to fix it. That's huge too. Because then a child can feel like they're being heard and seen. And then they're not trying to get things fixed. And maybe there is no way to fix it. So it's just letting them express. and like how we said before, and I say it a lot, like you have to feel it to heal it. So a child just expressing themselves and their emotions, that might be enough to get part of it cleared or to move through some of it, the painful emotions. Yeah. So there is I love that a lot message. of great stuff that we can do and it's easy and it's cheap and it's, you know, it's, it's effective and it, it works. So they're not, they're simple, yeah. not easy, right? Sometimes because it, it, it causes, it yeah. forces us to go within. So we have to do the inner work. Yeah. I love that message. Ultimately, what I'm hearing from you is first, there's a way to understand what we're talking about, but until you practice it, until you get past that resistance to being that in that state, then you really, you don't, you don't get it, you know, until you try it. So I want to encourage parents who are listening to try anything. It doesn't have to be breath work. Just be present with your body, try to feel the sensations in your body. And another thing I heard you say, Jeannie, that's so, so, so important, the most important thing I think I talk about with parents is, you know, how do you teach this stuff to your kids? And the the best teacher is a model. So they need to see and feel that you are benefiting from it and see you doing it and model this to them and let them get intrigued. Let them feel the difference of your energy and see how you are navigating things. And like you said, holding space and allowing things to unfold without needing to control because ultimately the world is outside of our control. And it's wonderful to know that even in our autonomic nervous system where it basically an autopilot that breathing is one thing that we can tap into in order to control it and most of us you know when we're nervous or anxious or running 100 miles an hour and not taking a break we're breathing on autopilot such shallow breaths and we don't even notice that we're starving ourselves of oxygen Um, and we don't notice how much more energy we get when we just shift this this tiny thing um so i think we'll we'll wrap it up there uh there's a lot to take away from the conversation and i am so so grateful to you i can't wait to see you later tonight after a long day of work (laughs) 
Um, and Jeannie, one last thing, how can people find you out there? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you, first of all, so much for this. Yes, so um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook and we'll put the tag. We'll put the links in the notes. Yeah, we'll put the link. it's, at, it's at Jeannie Colwin Coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, so last name is K-U-L-W-I-N. And then it's JeannieColwin.com. And I do one-on-one um, -on -one coaching with health and definitely focusing on stress and your body. And how do you do all these things, right? Because we talked about all these things, but how? what's the how-to? Like, it's not just a one-time, it, it's really a process. So, and then I also have been doing some corporate events, which is really exciting because the workplace has got a lot of stress. Um, yeah, so JeannieColwin.com and I have all the information about private and I have my classes and you can get on my website, I'm sorry, on my email list. And if you get on my email list, then you'd be notified of when I have upcoming classes in LA. Wonderful. And we're both in Los Angeles, which I'm lucky because I'm down the street from you right now. <laughs> um, what about people listening out of state or different countries? Um, how could they benefit from your work? Uh, do you do remote coaching like via Zoom webinar, like what we're doing? Yeah, definitely. So I do one-on-one -on -one private coaching so that it can be anywhere with, yeah, we definitely use the platform. I'd use the platform Zoom also. And I've done up until now more breath work in person in my classes, so private or in my classes in Los Angeles, I'm in different locations, but I'm open and I've been playing with the idea of doing, um, and I know other people are doing it, Zoom. It's just a different energy, but I'm definitely open to doing Zoom um, with the breath work especially teaching people how to do it. So if they're interested and they don't live in LA, definitely reach out because I want to get that started because so many people can benefit. And I know people have never heard of this before. And so many people tell me that they can't really ex describe the experience. So that's why I say you just got to try it. And then <laughs> you'll know what we're We tried our best about. today. I wanted yeah, to try no, it. Is yeah, yeah you, really, you really need to just jump into it and, and give it a shot and see if it works for you. Awesome. All right. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I can't wait to continue on this journey and have you, you know, as another person and um, your community that you've built. Uh, I'm excited to kind of uh, continue this practice because you said it's, it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's something you'll continue to practice and I'm sure it'll continue to grow and I'll, I'll just keep learning more and more. I'm so excited about that. Aww, thank you again so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.